welcome to the Whole Story Podcast. This podcast series is focused on inspiring sustainability in agriculture using the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs. Each week, our guests are invited to share their story, highlight a particular one of the 17 goals, and leave us with some practical tips for sustainability on farms. I'm Bex Smith, founder of The Whole Story, a B Corp certified social enterprise inspiring, facilitating, and articulating holistic sustainability in agriculture. And this podcast has been brought to life in partnership with the incredible team at FMG, who are passionate about partnering with organisations like The Whole Story, so together we can support rural New Zealand. So whatever you're doing while listening to this episode, thanks for choosing us. The best way you can support our mahi is to follow and share the show on whatever app you're listening on, and I hope this episode leaves you inspired and excited about the bigger picture of sustainability in agriculture. Today's guest is Wayne Langford, co-founder of Meet the Need, but also known to many of you as YOLO Farmer. This episode is based on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal Number 2, Zero Hunger, and the incredible mahi that Wayne and the team at Meet the Need are doing to ensure New Zealand farmers can feed New Zealand families in need. So sit back and enjoy the journey that Wayne and I go on, discussing the similarities between New Zealand agriculture and a high-performing sports team, the incredible impact that a small donation can have, and the importance of not reinventing the wheel, but optimising what already exists. Make sure you listen in right to the end, as Wayne shares with us an incredible take-home sustainability tip. Okay, so welcome to this episode of the Whole Story podcast. Today I'd like to introduce you all to Wayne Langford. Some of you might know him as YOLO Farmer, but he is also the co-founder of Meet the Need. Welcome, Wayne. Afternoon, how's things? Yeah, really good, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad, yeah. Bit of a wet day here where I am, but hoping it's going to improve later on. Yeah, good day for recording a podcast then. 100%, absolutely. Perfect. So could you tell us a little bit of a story about Wayne Langford? Oh, yeah. Where do I start, really? Born and bred in Golden Bay. Big family history up here in Golden Bay. The Langfords go quite a way, way back. Anyone that's done the Heafy Track up here and has passed by the Langford store, the old general store up there. That's my heritage and where I came from. So that's me. Long story short, headed to Lincoln, where I met my wife, brought a different bloodline back to Golden Bay, and we soon popped out three, three, three young. Been growing up and rearing them ever since. We were the family gypsies on our farming operation. Every time our family brought a new farm or leased a new farm, Tyler and I headed across all of those and, and then went on to the next adventure. It wasn't until 2000 and 15 that we really settled down we broke away from the family farming business and brought our own property and they have been farming that for the last six years standalone which has been a fantastic journey to be on yeah oh really cool and i know there's some other bits and pieces in there and i'm gonna dive into it now because i think it's such an interesting part of your backstory is yolo farmer coming up five years you've just passed through the five-year milestone i understand Tell us a bit about starting that journey and that blog and the places that's taken you. It really has been a, an incredible journey that, we, that we've been on and we, we didn't ever think it would go as far or as wide and we'd end up doing what we have. But I just got myself in a really bad place and the mental health wasn't too flash, you'd say. And we had to do something, and I say we because it's it's my family and I that have really pulled, my, pulled myself out of it. 
but we had to do something to get out, get ourselves out of that and out of that situation. And so we challenged ourselves to do something every day for 365 days of that year. It started on my birthday and, and whatnot. So that's why I say 365 days, because I thought to myself, can we do something to make it feel like we've lived for each day? That day in particular, we went to the beach, somewhere we hadn't been for quite a while, you know, living in Golden Bay. We've got all this beauty and you know, nature and everything else that surrounds us. And here I was almost every afternoon struggling to get out of bed and struggling to enjoy life. So that day we packed up the kids and Tyler and headed to the beach and had a great day. And, and we said, how can we have this every day? And so that's where the challenge began. Little did I know that 1905 days later, I think we're on today, we'd be still going. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey for sure. And I really want to acknowledge you, Wayne, and your family for having the ability to put those practical steps in place and create something that is just so positive out of that experience. And rural mental health is something that's really dear to me. And to be able to role model that for other farmers and just for anybody struggling with mental health, that actually celebrating small things every day and living each day, it's just so important. And yeah, so thank you so much for that and to your family as well. Oh, that's all good, Bex. I, I, I take it pretty with a pretty humble grain of salt, really. And I, and I often say to, to those that are following along on my journey, particularly on, on social media and whatnot, yeah, I guess it's been probably actually one of the easiest parts of being the YOLO farmer is, is we're just living our life now. It's become such a big part of our life and we've got people following along that are taking inspiration out of that, which is really cool. But at the same time, it's just us living our life. It's been great and it's been very rewarding getting the messages and hearing People say that they get a lot out of it. One of the messages I hear the most is seeing mental health portrayed in a almost in a positive, happy manner rather than a sad and cold and dark thing that is quite often portrayed as. I use my mental health as a foundation for building everything that we're working on now. And so that can only be seen as a strength and an opportunity, really. And that's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah and, I, and that thing as well. I mean, saying that it's you're portraying it in a happy light, you certainly are. You bring quite a lot of humour to that page, and it's it's really good seeing that humour brought into mental health and giving people the opportunity to laugh because we know laughter is so important. When we're farming, we can sometimes get distracted away from that. We think that um, you know, profit and I don't know, you know, all those little jobs on the farm are so much more important than being happy. Or, or we've got to take everything so seriously you'll probably touch on my role with feds later on but you know advocacy and what i do for federated farmers it's just as important to do that in a positive forward-thinking manner not necessarily negative and anti-government and all that sort of stuff it just puts a positive spin on you not only on your day but just on your life and your family as well and it's amazing yeah it's amazing how much that changes your outlook yeah i agree it's that real uh, just keeping everything in balance in your life isn't it Another topic that's of important to me and really talking about sustainability. It's a big word and it's thrown around a lot and it's involved in a lot of different discussions around agriculture in New Zealand these days. What does sustainability mean personally to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I love the way that you frame that question because it's really important to understand that sustainability is different to a lot of people. Sustainability for me personally it's probably something that I can replicate over and over again without causing ill effect to my health or to the health of whatever that is being worked on, whether it be, you know, Mother Nature or or human health, mental health, yeah, food quality, that sort of thing as well. So that sustainability for me is really that ability to replicate something in a healthy way. 
Yeah, that's a great way of framing it up. It is. It's just, it's amazing how when you frame it like that, it can be applied to everything. And, you know, it's not necessarily saying that we replicate it in the same way, but it's how can we keep doing it so that we're having success thriving today and tomorrow, isn't it? Oh, 100%. That, that is one of the issues with agriculture, right, is because you can have a thousand different farms doing something differently and end up with the same result. Potentially, it could be sustainable or not in every way that they're doing it. But, you know, everyone's kind of got a different view on that. And I guess it's more coming together to find a common definition of that. Of course, that'll change over time, which is one of the hardest parts of the discussion is when you bring change into it. Yeah, definitely. It's not a one-size-fits-all answer, is it? And it does, as you say, it's changing all the time and it's how we learn to actually reflect while we're in action and moving forward to make sure that we actually keep up with that change and keep the big picture in mind. Right now we're talking about climate change and greenhouse gas emissions and that sort of thing. To be fair, while I know it was an issue 10 years ago, it's not what we were talking about in a farming sense. You know, it was barely registering on the radar However, from a positive, like I say, I like to look at things in a positive optimistic way. I think agriculture has been one of the first to deal with greenhouse gas emissions and, and gases and whatnot. We're front-footing it more than anyone else in the country, in my belief. However, we've just got so much more to go and we've got so much more to learn. But it's great to be front-footing it compared to the rest of the nation, which is just a, just starting to get a crap call, I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. It is great to be in the position where we're leading from the front, but that's always a hard place to be, isn't it? So... Talking about your link to agriculture, have you always been a farmer? Have you always known you've wanted to be a farmer? Yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, no, good question. Always enjoyed um, cowpoo between my toes or between my fingers and that side of it, uh, natural affinity with animals. The job I love most on farmers in the springtime when, when you've got all that contact with the cows and the calves and everything going on. I'm not really a tractor driving kind of guy, tractor or machinery. That's not really my thing. I really enjoyed the business side of farming as well, breaking down and analysing. That's what we did for quite a few years, was take on different properties and work out how we fixed them up or made them profitable or, or whatnot. So it's big, been a big part of who I am, understanding that side of it as well. High school, you know, I, I had two paths that I was going to take. I think I was looking at being a PE teacher or I got, actually got accepted into a, a coaching course at Canterbury University. Yeah, I was one step away from heading down that line. Instead, I got accepted at Lincoln as well and headed down that path and have never really looked back until actually I'm probably where I'm getting to now is, is yeah, it's just, it's just starting to look at what else is out there and, and realising that, hey, farming is what I love and what I do, but it's not everything that I am. I'm just starting to find the strength and, the, and whatnot within myself to start to reach out there now and find out, well, you know, what does this world really want Wayne Langford to be, which is a pretty awesome journey to be on. Yeah, it really is. Like the transferable skills that you have bringing from farming and setting up those different farms and even working out with the animals during the springtime. There's so many skills there that can be transferred to any other industry, really. And it's such a watch out world. Here comes Wayne Langford kind of moment, which is it's very cool to watch. That's where the YOLO journey has been pretty good, right, is, is because along the way doing so many interesting and cool things. And that's what I love about podcasts like this. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got something unique about them and, and it's special to them. One of, one of the biggest things of my YOLO journey has been just the connection with people and just hearing those stories. I just love it. Whether they be rich or poor or old or young or, or whatever they are, you know, what, what's filling up their cup every day and what's giving them that zing to life. It's just wicked. Definitely a different outlook on life than what I ever had. 
Yeah, and the world needs that diverse skill set, right, and leadership at the moment. There's so many challenges facing us, and so many people have got such an amazing skill set and values that they bring to the table. So it's really wonderful to start seeing that be highlighted a little bit more and start seeing such a diverse range of people um, coming around a table and talking about opportunities for the future. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And um, we probably won't go into leadership too much here, but um, as I've moved up through the ranks of feds and whatnot, put a lot of study into a leadership, different leaders around the world and how they operate and what they do. And yeah, it's, that's a whole other conversation for another day, I think. Yeah, like you say, there's real opportunity for people to stand up and, and be leaders. But in doing that, I think they just need to stand up and be themselves. The world will decide who the leaders are. You just need to be you and and see what happens, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to put you in the hot seat now a wee bit. Could you tell us your funniest story relating to farming and agriculture? You're a pretty funny guy and you've seen some pretty funny moments. So, yeah, share a story with us. I get that a lot from people. And obviously I do portray a bit on social media and whatnot and have a bit of a laugh. I'm actually extremely introverted, eh? Like I, I do like my quiet time at home. I love my cows because it is just me and the cows and that sort of thing. I've always been a bit of a class clown. I've never taken life too seriously. Again, just touching back on that mental health, I think that where everyone started to pick up that there was something wrong was because all of a sudden Wayne got so bloody serious about everything. And yeah, and we started to realise there's a few troubles. But no, nah, funny story. So oh, there's, there's loads. Of, <laughs> yeah. I was with my brothers one day and we had a calf that had a, a bit of a abscess on the side of it. And so we chased this calf around the paddock, did the old cowboy jump off, uh, off the four-wheeler and grabbed this calf out in the paddock. And, and laid it down on the ground. And we thought, oh, we're going to have to lance this, this abscess. And this, my brother and I were holding it down while the other brother got the scalpel out. Little did we know that when we'd crash tackled it to the ground, it had actually already already put a hole in the, in the abscess. So when we thought we'd give it a squeeze, instead of all the mucus and whatnot coming out of, out of the hole that we'd made, it actually all came whoring out of this other hole. Right all over my brother's face, all up in his mouth. Absolutely disgusting, but one of the funniest moments I've ever had in my life. That's one of those stories that just makes you, when you think of it, I just laugh and laugh, so it was a classic. Probably a bit gross for this podcast, I know, but man, we had a laugh that day. Not at all. I tell you, as a vet, I love a good abscess story, and there is nothing better than a misdirected abscess firing off in the wrong places. I think even every vet's got a good abscess story. Taking a bit of a diversion here, meet the need. Tell us the story about the journey to co-founding Meet the Need and where that's taken you now. Yeah, cool. Meet the Need is a charity that supplies mints to city missions and food banks and a couple of food kitchens and whatnot throughout New Zealand. We take donations from farmers all across New Zealand and with the help of Silver Fern Farms, we process it into mints and distribute it out. The foundation of that was we took some mints into the local food bank here in, in Takaka Township. Upon dropping that off with the kids, just had the general conversation with the lady there and I said, oh, how long will these couple of bags of mints last? And I thought she'd say, oh, to the end of the week or next week or something like that. And she said, oh, this is going to last us two or three months. This is just incredible. We never get mints. It completely changed the food parcels that we're putting out there. It's just fantastic. Yeah, if you could just see the reaction on her face, that's something I'll never forget. So from there, I went home feeling like I'd achieved something that day type thing. And, and I was milking the next morning and I thought to myself, well, got about 100 farms in Golden Bay. If I, if I donated a cow, it would fill up that food bank easily for the year. And I thought, if I did that, and if every other farmer did the same thing, then 
supposedly I only have to give one cow in my lifetime and no one in need goes hungry in Golden Bay. That's an awesome story. Just something awesome that, that our community could do. I think it then grew from there. What would it take to feed the likes of Motawaka or Nelson close to me and then eventually Christchurch in the South Island and New Zealand? And Yeah, so I'd met Siobhan O'Malley, co-founder of Meet the Need. I met her through a primary ITO role that we had together. And uh, and I said, hey, uh, she'd just moved up to Tasman. And I said, hey, do you want to come over one day? And no matter what we put down on that, that bit of paper that day, Meet the Need just sat 10 steps higher than everything else we put on that paper. And we thought, hey... Let's give this a crack. Let's see what we can do. The initial draftings of Meet the Need were to have home kill butchers do it, have young farmer, young farmers clubs bag it all up and take it into food banks. Jeez, I'm glad we didn't go down that route. We sure as hell take for granted the amount of effort and I guess skill expertise that the likes of Silver Fern Farms and Fonterra and other processes and whatnot put into food safety. Yeah, but long story short, Siobhan and I worked on this for, for over a year. Luckily enough, we had our other day jobs farming and whatnot as well because it was a bit of a slow hard grind one to to find some funding two to yeah to get a processor on board and this charity is nothing without a processor and so that's why we're we're extremely grateful to Silverfern farms for doing this for us and it just took time and i think that's when we talk to other entrepreneurs we try and emphasize that as well around how long sometimes these things take it took us a good year to get up and going and then i guess unfortunately for the country but fortunately for us covid came along and farmers all across the country saw the trouble that some of our urban cousins were in and wanted to help out. The idea had already been pitched to the likes of Dairy NZ and Beef and Lamb. Silverfern Farms were obviously heavily engaged by that stage. We got a phone call one day, can we have this up and running in, in, in about a month's time or six weeks' time? We want to launch it during lockdown of 2020. And yeah, just like ducks on the water, we were calm and whatnot on top, but underneath we were paddling like hell trying to get this thing up and going and get the website and the branding and the, all the things that go into a charity behind the scenes up and running. And then it all just happened, really. I hope I'm making it sounding, sound simple. Siobhan would probably say otherwise because she was the detailed one behind the scenes that was filling out all the forms and, and making sure everything was in order. But yeah, super stoked to, to launch during lockdown and then just get that response that we got from farmers has been incredible. Yeah, it really is, and it's such a great opportunity of New Zealanders being able to help out other New Zealanders and just create more of that unified approach and looking after each other. I think it's really important just that we're looking out for each other. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, just step back from your your job and everything else and you say, hey, what are we doing here? What is this all about, this thing they call life? And I say our job is, our role as farmers is to feed our community. And before we go off profiteering and exporting food and all that sort of thing is our community fed feed those that are genuinely in need we can achieve that so simply and with such a small amount of what we produce what why the hell are we not doing it that's been one of the most rewarding things of meet the need is not only the fact that we are doing it but also the fact that we think the goal at the end of the day is achievable and uh, and so that's probably what gets us out of bed every day is we think we can make sure that no one in new zealand goes to bed hungry at night yeah and that's such a powerful goal so talking more about goals the whole stories work that I do and also that this podcast series is based around is the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Goal number two, zero hunger. I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on what that actually is. The goal is to end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. So a pretty big one for us as farmers and a really important one for what the work that's been done by Meet the Need. I wonder if you could just dive into that a bit more and 
talk about how Meet the Need achieves that goal of zero hunger. It's a great one. And it's, like I say, there's kind of two sides to it, right? The purists or the socialists would say, just hand food out to everyone and no one will go hungry. It almost does take a capitalist mindset to, to make it happen or and whatnot. When we formed Meet the Need, we looked at it and said, hey, we don't want to create anything new here. In other words, we already have farmers growing food. We already have processes there, freight, logistics, packaging, that's all there already. And at the end of the day, we don't try and own any of those spaces. We just do what we do. I think we can achieve that goal really easily. And like I say, it's a fraction of what we produce. It's 0. 0.0002 of what we produce or something. You know, I know if the government came to us and said, hey, we want to tax you at 0. 0.0002 and, and you can feed New Zealand, I think all farmers would agree to it. Before we start going into social license and the good imaging around it and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess just building on that really, and obviously the United Nations look at it from a global point of view, same thing really needs to happen is how can we utilise what's already there? How can we leave the machine on for an extra half an hour, which will feed an extra 50 or 100,000 people type thing? What would that take? As it turns out, when you get into it, it doesn't actually take too much. That's what's blown me away a bit. You've got to have everyone engaged through that to achieve that. And the role that everyone's playing um, works. I think I mentioned there a bit of my backstory. I coach my kids under 14's rugby team and I have always followed along and read the biographies of a lot of great coaches around the world. One of the most determining factors of most coaches is they say every player has got a role they have to play within the team. And it's not about relying on the one or two superstars. It's about doing your job on that team at that moment to achieve the result as a whole. I just look at meet the need in the same way. If we play our role as farmers, the processes do the same. The food banks do this. We can achieve this great result. But as soon as we start dabbling in everyone else's or poking fingers at everyone else, then then nothing works. So it's probably a long answer to your question, but just where I'm feeling. Yeah. No, it's a great answer. And I love that analogy, like bringing back, there's so much we can learn from sports coaching and that we can then extend out into our sector industries, our individual farming businesses and just our daily lives. So it's, no, it is really great. And you always do get some really wonderful analogies across applicable frameworks from sports coaching. So yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. That was good. So talking about big picture things and challenges, what do you see as the biggest challenge to New Zealand's agricultural sector regarding sustainability? An optimistic guy. So how do we flip the script on that and turn it into an opportunity for us? Yeah, great. Again, another great question, a challenging question, a really tough one. So we always need to make sure that we're not heading towards an end point. Sustainability is never going to end. So one of the most important things in the discussion is to realise that once we've fixed climate change, there's going to be something else to work on. And it's probably going to cost us money in the primary sector, and, and that's what it's going to be. If you look over history, that's where we've been and what we've been doing, whether it be through water quality or biodiversity or greenhouse gases or whatever it is, there's always going to be this moving feast of what we're going to have to do. It's part and parcel with farming, particularly now more than probably what it was in the past, maybe a little bit. That is where it is. And I think we've got a generation that's coming through, a generation of farmers that's really understands that and is heading in that direction, I think, which is fantastic for for New Zealand Ag. How we have to be careful and and how we have to flip the script, as you mentioned, is we've really got to be careful that that we take our time getting there and don't go too quickly. I am a let's do this overnight time type of guy. I love to rush out and do things, but we've got to take our farming community with us and farming moves and evolves slowly we work on an annual process if not a biannual process with our seasons and our 
to flip that script, we need to have some really good thinking around how we're going to get there and, and what our farming systems are going to look like so that people can see the story. They can see where we're heading and, and what we're going to be doing and what our farms are going to look like so that they can make investments and, and whatnot based on those decisions. comes back to the coaching analogy again. How do you get the team all moving forward? Now, people come and go from the team. We'll see farmers come and go out of out of that. That's just the way it is. But um, in 15 years' time, we may be heading along a world hunger-type journey. We may not be able to feed everyone in the world, and they may be asking us to ramp up our production because we've got people going hungry in the world, just as an example. But yeah, I think it's playing what's in front of you, but at the same time having really clear direction around, uh, you know, around where people want to be, and that's that's particularly a role that leadership's got to play in that space. Yeah, no, great answer there. It's all about bringing people along that journey, isn't it? And, you know, what challenge is going to be next? Because as you say, there's always going to be something. We'll always be faced by some challenge and some problem that needs solving. And it's just making sure that people are along for the ride and want to be along for the ride. Yeah. And one of the biggest things there is, like you say, bringing people along. When we talk about people, we need that team of 5 million or all of New Zealand, all of the people to understand what we're doing. It's been a bit of a crux of the agricultural sector since probably the Dirty Dairy campaigns came out and that sort of thing. I think we've seen farmers close up their gates and say, this land is mine. I don't want you on it. I don't want you to see what I'm doing. We've just closed our gates. And I think we need to open those back up, get people out on farm, get people seeing what we're doing, having the community engaged in our farming processes and seeing that we're not perfect, that we're human, that we make mistakes, that we have crops that don't grow, we have crops that do grow, we have animals animals that are doing that. How the heck do we get people to understand what's going on if, if they can't see it, right? Or if they can't feel it and touch it and smell it and, and that sort of thing. We went through a, a terrible phase as an industry of trying to promote perfection. I think we've got a, a real opportunity over the next 10 years to to tell that really cool story around who we are, to joke a bit like I do. But like I say, to put in the, to the faults and the, and the things that go wrong, but things that we're doing right and to express the challenges and what that's all about. It's not a them versus us. It's a we're all in this together. Yeah, that's why I love speaking on a podcast like this because whoever's listening, whoever's getting this, I just I love the fact that we're all sharing and talking about what we're going through and hopefully people get something out of that. Yeah, 100%. And I wonder, actually, something that comes to mind here is I saw a post on your social media around a phone call you received. And I wonder if you could just elaborate and tell that story a little bit. Yeah, cool. I was heading out for dinner out to the Muscle Inn here in Golden Bay. If anyone's been there, great spot, great steak, little prop for them. But but we're heading out for dinner and I got this random phone call from a private number and it was an elderly lady. She said, hey, I've, I've just watched the news and I just don't understand. I just I don't understand why people are saying this about farming. You guys do such a good job and you're feeding our country and you know, we love seeing what you do and, and everything you're doing. She'd watched the story on the news and she said, I just hate seeing these stories on the news and farmers being uh, portrayed in that way. She wanted to call up and just say, not only well done, but had we thought about doing this and have we thought about doing that, which was just amazing. You know, at the end of the call, I said, oh, do you mind if I ask where you're from? And she said, from the heart of Auckland and just keep your heads up and keep trucking along type thing. Probably paraphrasing that terribly, but have that one on a Friday night just after I'd finished a big massive day on the farm and whatnot. It was pretty cool and something I really wanted to share through my platform with others. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was such a powerful story and just lovely for someone to reach out and want to give that acknowledgement because, Mm. yeah, sometimes the media can be tough, right? So it's really nice to get genuine stories from real Mm. people and get their feeling on the situation. If we can lean into it just a little bit more because it goes a little bit deeper than that as well, right? If you look at some of the comments that came out when I put up that post and whatnot, we've got farmers that 
that simply read a, what was it, five or six lines that post that it had brought a tear to their eye, having a little bit of praise put on them and that sort of thing. Imagine the emotional state then that that person's in. That makes such a difference. Like yep. that's pretty incredible. I've, people say, what do you want out of this Labour government at the moment? I say, one of the biggest things that could happen out of our Labour government at the moment is if our Prime Minister could stand up and be proud of her farmers and really proud of what they were doing and go from there. She headed over to the US last week and almost said it, I think. She was certainly proud of the product. We're also off the mark a little bit. Like they almost went straight back to attacking the urban mark. And I'm like, this post is about someone understanding our situation and being proud of our farmers and and whatnot. It's it's not a them versus us because I just genuinely don't believe that. We're not in a them versus us situation. We're in a, we're all in this together. We've got to work together as a team to get through it situation. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I come from an urban background, so really struggle with the them versus us and people who buy into that side of things because, yeah, we are all in this together. We're such a small country. We can't afford not to be, and we are all so connected. And it's also that story just highlights to me how it doesn't take a lot and a lot of gratitude and just saying a few words of thanks or acknowledgement to actually change someone's life. Yeah, it's pretty powerful what a few words can do. I always try and do it as part of my kind of YOLO stuff. I try and do it during the spring. Make sure you reach out to even one farmer every week and because I know my farmers are going through a tough patch in the spring or whatever, but just reach out and just check they're doing okay. Even just reach out and tell them they're doing a bloody good job. Farming can be a pretty isolated and lonely place. When you look at who really cares about your farm and what you're doing, it's you and your wife and your kids, maybe, if they understand it. And really not many other people. Sometimes they're generational farms, so they might have the grandparents and, and whatnot involved as well. But there's really not a lot of other people. And when you can, in other words, they're just doing it alone. They're flying solo. They're trying to, they're doing it for them. And if someone can reach in every now and then and say, hey, I, I really like what you're doing there. Or, great work on this or great work on that. I can't even imagine, you know, the strength that, that builds in people and what that gives to people. It's pretty incredible. I think a few of those emotions came out on that post that, that I put up, yeah. Yeah, I'd say. So it was a really important one to share. So what's next for Wayne Langford? Yeah, good question. Ask my wife, she'd tell you 10 different things. But I've got a few ideas in the, and a few opportunities that have come out of the YOLO journey. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting the need up and going. We are two years in. We've had some pretty incredible results already, but we've still got a long way to go. We're only about 10 or 15% of the way there. It won't be my charity forever. It'll we'll have someone take it on eventually over the next few years. I'm passionate about telling the story of ag and particularly about telling agriculture in a real uh, human essence kind of way, just like this podcast as Bex and others. The human element of stories out there rather than, like I say, things based around money or finances or business and all that sort of thing, I think there's a real opportunity to see what everyone's doing from a human element. I live a relatively busy life at the moment, so it's about juggling that all up and fitting that into 40 hours a week, which is not easy, as you're probably aware. It's a struggle to fit it all in, but... It's definitely worth it, isn't it? When you feel like you're making a change and you're having a positive impact on the industry that you love, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And I think that's probably quite a good point you bring up there. Like I, I look at the, my feds role takes me off farm a lot, but then I also sit around meetings, whether they be in Wellington or Auckland, or if there wasn't a farmer in the room today, what decisions would be made and, and what would happen. You know, that's, that's, you know, a driver that kind of keeps me going in that space. I know what happens to my mental health when I don't prioritise that. I may be 1,900 days along this journey, but it still takes effort and work to keep me in a, in a good headspace and keep things going well. And most of that comes from challenging myself. 
Yeah, and obviously farming as as well, making sure that you're still learning and growing and trying new things. It's important. As busy as you get, you still want to be making sure that you have fun. And for me, it's often involves my boys and my wife and, and a lot of people around me. That's me, I think. Yeah. I think that element of fun is so easily forgotten, isn't it? As kids, we play quite comfortably. And then it's almost like we get taught not to anymore and we become so serious as adults. So I think that's really key to highlight this, just the importance of keeping that fun in your life and having that element of play. And it's easier, I think, when you do have kids. I've got three young kids myself and yeah, they really do bring that that bit of play and bit of fun back into your life. But it's easy to dismiss it as well. And so it's really important to make sure that you prioritize it for yourself. Yeah, 100%. My wife always says that she feels like she has four teenage boys in the house, not three. If you're not having fun, then maybe look at a few ways that you can. Just make sure you get out there and enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. So while we're on that, uh, I like to end each episode with giving farmers some really practical take-home actions that they can implement in their farming businesses to contribute to that big picture sustainability. So what's one practical take-home action that you'd recommend, Wayne? Mm, that is a great question. Um, practically, to have a bit of a plan around what you're going to do. Like I say, I like to think kind of 10 years ahead, what's coming at me, what, where, what is my farm going to have to look like in 10 years' time? As an example, I see shade for our animals being a real issue. So we're currently flat out planting shade trees and that sort of thing because that's going to be an issue in 10 years' time. Have a plan around uh, what you want to do and how you potentially might achieve that. It just puts it all in perspective. It sets a timeline on things and makes you think about the way you're developing your farm or different things you're doing on your farm and, and what you're going to do. But I think more importantly, once you have that plan, then you have the opportunity to getting others involved and having them understand what you're working on. I do a bit of public speaking with my YOLO farmer hat on and I say, very easy to do a lot of things and make a lot of money and end up at the top of the mountain alone at the end of the day. But maybe it's better just mountain and have the whole community with you. And yeah, it's not all about achieving all you can achieve because quite often not that good on people around you. So how much can you achieve while staying integrated and engaged in your community and being part of your kids and your family life and not working yourself to the bone and, you know, killing yourself doing it? That's such wonderful advice, Wayne. So I'd like to thank you so much for your time today and your generosity with, yeah, all your different tips and tricks and wisdom there. And I think that there's a few people out there that can probably help you achieve some of those goals with Meet the Need. So I'd love to end this episode with giving you the opportunity to drop a wee plug in here and invite people to donate to Meet the Need. So could you just explain to us how people can go about doing that? 100%. And thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, easiest way is if you're a silver firm farm supplier to, to ring your rep and say, hey, I want one, two, or ten animals to go to meet the need. That's all you have to do. They'll take care of the rest from there. If you're not a Silver Firm Farms man or you don't want to donate that way, you can head to our website, www.meettheneed.org, and we're creating easier options to donate every day. So keep an eye out for that as well. But, yeah, very easy to uh, donate. We're a registered charity, so you get that tax back as well, which is great. Most importantly, 100% of your donations go into food to feeding the community. We do have some admin costs in behind the scenes, which are funded by grants and other things. Don't take that lightly. Those families that are receiving this mints really cherish it. Quite often, it, it is the best, highest quality protein they've had in weeks or months, and farmers can do that for them. So 
Thanks for the opportunity to, for the plug there. And thanks for the awesome podcast. You do a great job with the specs. You know, it's been a real pleasure being involved. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Whole Story Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and are feeling inspired and optimistic about putting sustainability into practice on farm. I have one last request for you before you go. Make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on that you hit follow and share the show or episodes with your friends so that together we can grow our community and inspire sustainability and agriculture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And thanks again to FMG for partnering with The Whole Story so that we could bring this podcast to life for you all to enjoy. Catch you next time.